Shalom, shalom, shalom. This is King Canaan, the voice and heart of the ghetto today. Um, I want to speak on drill hip hop. For those who don't know, drill started in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so when somebody says this person is a drill culture or drill legend, um, the terminology for drill means to kill your rivals and then make a song about how you killed them. And then once the rival gang kills or retaliates to their loved one getting murdered or their somebody from their gang getting murdered, they then make a song mocking and ridiculing the gang. And it has created a cycle. So as usual, out of all the culture inside our communities, that black the entertainment industry decided that they was going to economically invest inside of the drill culture, as usual, just like they did with gangster rap, just like they did with all the other negative imageries and spirits within our community. They take the absolute worst and then they magnify it and put that before the world as it, as who we are. Um, and I personally feel like, and that's why I'm raising money to create funding because what the entertainment industry is doing is crimes against humanity. Um, I don't think people understand that we are being specifically targeted by the entertainment industry and by the entertainment culture. There's not one artist who we select inside of the entertainment industry. The investors and shareholders inside of these record labels pick our next artist for us and decide who's going to be the voice for our children without us having any say so. I don't care what they tell you about the black faces. There's not one black man or woman inside the entertainment industry that have any say so. And don't give me Jay-Z because if Jay-Z was a billionaire, what billionaire you know would still have a job working for somebody else? Um, so these people are just puppets. So just like I said, um, with the with the with the gangster rap, with the trap music, with the um with the drug culture of drinking, leaning, popping pills, they decided to utilize the drill culture from Chicago, Illinois. Now, these drill artists, they call themselves savages and they call themselves demons. That's why you hear I'm on demon time, stay dangerous, savage. Um, it's not even about getting money no more. With these drill artists, it's about how many people have you killed. So basically, the drill culture is promotion of serial killers of their own people. The more people that you've murdered, the more legendary you become in the drill culture. And that is who the record labels assigned. It was a guy, I'm not going to say his name. He was suspected of killing like 14 people. And the record label signed, signed him and invested inside of him. Um, Because this is how they see us. This is how they view us. So now... One thing that I said I wasn't gonna do, what the younger, what the what the last generation did, um, once growing up, like you know, we grew up off of Snoop and Dr. Dre, 
and um, Onyx and um, Mob Deep and Tupac or whatever. But the our generation just said that it was a bunch of mess and they didn't understand nothing that they were saying. So I always said that I will always be in tune with the music because I understood even if I didn't understand it, the youth understood it. And, and in order to understand the youth, you must understand the language in which they speak. And they speak through the music. So as I'm listening to these drill rappers, as they, um, if you don't know, one of the main things about drill is they name their marijuana after um, rival gang members who they've killed. Either they killed them or somebody from their side killed them. So necessarily they don't have to kill them, but as long as somebody from their side killed them. And so they named their marijuana after the deceased. So if let's say, let's say Ready Boy was my enemy and Ready Boy got killed, I would name my marijuana after Ready Boy. I would say I'm smoking on Ready Boy. That's what they do. They named their marijuana after somebody who got killed. And the crazy part is these guys were so young when it first started out. You know, Chief Keith, he was 16 years old. And a lot of those guys was like 16 to 17 years old when they started out. And they often refer to themselves as demons. So I'm trying to figure out what are they talking about? Why do they call themselves demons? And so... How can I say this? On the on social media, there has been a um, there has been controversy spreading on social media because one of the artists I don't know if you know the artist by the name of LBG Doug. He was a he was big inside of Chicago culture. Um, I guess you can say he rivaled Little Dirk in the music industry and Chief Keith and all of them. He was the biggest person from that side of the culture, street culture of Chicago. And they blackballed him and all this stuff like that. But he um, has so much underground support that he did millions and millions of views every time he pretty much dropped videos. He would average 200,000 to 300,000 views per video that he dropped. So Unfortunately, he uh, was shopping downtown and he was gunned down and murdered. So after his murder, his mother became very, very vocal about having the death of her son being solved. So um, they just brought in some young men who they believe was involved inside of the murder. But I want to be clear, everybody is due to a fair trial too much. And too many times we find someone guilty before proven innocent. Whereas it is they're innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. So a lot of people have been critical of her parental's um, parenting skills um, because Chicago has their own thing that if you're not from Chicago, you just don't really understand Chicago politics 
And I say that because she was out here, you know, fighting for her son and basically demanding that her son gets justice. And she has been the most vocal mother um, out of all mothers who children has been killed inside of Chicago, Illinois. But audio has surfaced of her having a deep, sexually explicit conversation with one of her son's enemies. You know, so people that are critical of her parental skills have basically created they I okay let me explain how can I explain better there are a group of men a bunch of men who feel like section 8 mothers are the source of their children growing up to be demons they feel that these women don't have no accountability no drive no ambition they lay up with men they smoke weed drink liquor and stay in drama all day and these children grow up in these type of households so they begin to once they go outside to exhibit the behavior they learn from their mothers and they believe that the these type of mothers are the source of our problems and issues inside of the black community as far as these savages and, and demons who are running around killing children elderly and babies like all over the ghettos of America, babies' brains are being blew out by these so-called savages. So you have men who have been very, very, very critical against her um, because I don't want to stay on her too long, but I have to give you guys the story of it. So um, she has 10 children. Out of her 10 children, five of them passed away only Two of them passed away through gun violence. Her oldest son died, um, like, I think two years ago. And her other son, which was FBG Duck, was gunned down a year after him, um, if I'm not mistaken. The other three died in different situations that I don't really want to touch on. So a lot of people are saying, well, the critics are saying that She's an unfit mother. How can you lose? How can you lose half of the children you birth? And basically, a lot of these guys were coming out and speaking out against her. Of course, Chicago came out and Chicago, Illinois, just making, you know, they was very offended that people outside of Chicago is talking about this woman who's from Chicago. You had men all over the internet coming out attacking these guys who was critical of her, saying, why would you attack a grieving mother? Um, so forth and so on. So it's getting very heated. And and, and so um, I want my take because seeing the drill music and drill culture, I need Chicago, Illinois to understand you can no longer say that we should not have our nose, I guess, inside of Chicago, Illinois business being Chicago, Illinois degenerate culture has been pushed on the entire country. Everywhere 
our youngins in all 50 states on switches on their guns because this was promoted inside of the drill culture. Every last one of our youngins out there, they want 30s inside of their gun because the drill culture promoted having 30 round clips all over the country, innocent children, elderly women, and even pregnant women who have nothing to do with the streets are being gunned down and murdered because these kids are savages and on demon time because of the influence of the drill culture, which means to kill your own people. That's what drill means. So because it has become a national issue and the influence behind the national issue is Chicago, Illinois, and its influence, its street culture, where everybody, like even in the streets, don't nobody even want money no more. They rather have opposition than money. Because it don't matter about money. It matter about how many people have you killed. And if you haven't killed a bunch of people, then you're a goofy. That's Chicago language and Chicago slang for somebody who's not a killer. They're a goofy. So it has become our culture. It has become our concern because we got to get to the source of the problem because kids don't just come out the womb and then they have disregard for any type of human life, whether it's innocent, whether it's elderly, whether it's infants, they don't care. all across the country and Black Lives Matter don't talk about these issues because it's not in the federal budget to actually do anything about black on black crime. Their money comes from being MLM chasers. The same with the NAACP, Black Caucus, Urban League, and the rest of these people. Their money come from racial divide. That's where their sponsorship lies. That's where the federal budget lies. And that's where the media press and uh, social outrage comes from. These organizations are not concerned with the real problems and issues inside of ghetto America. So we got to ask ourselves, how does children go from being innocent, beautiful people to being serial killers? Because that's basically what game banging is, being a serial killer. It's a bunch of serial killers competing against one another. What happens? What happens to that innocent, beautiful child? Well, I'm not just anybody. I grew up inside of ghetto America. That's why I consider myself the voice and heart of the ghetto. So a little bit about my story for those who don't know. Um, at the age of 14, well... Before that, I would say I grew up inside of a domestic violence household. Um, the last time I was free, um, it was two weeks before my 15th birthday. And when I came home, my mom's entire face was swollen, her eyes were shot. The next day, I was brought in custody and charged for my father's demise. Um, so... I think I qualify to speak about the issues of ghetto America. 
And the truth and the fact in the matter is we got to get to the source and who's right and who's wrong. And I think the reason why people are in such an outrage is because when you start getting to the source and problem of the issue, Satan understands that's that strong, that's that stronghold. He understands if you get to the source of the issue and problem of what's going on, then you can actually resolve what's going on. And the black community has created this women worship culture where the the black woman is dissolved from any wrongdoing whatsoever. And we have to understand who created this women woman culture. The pastors, not pastors, not true men of God. I say religious leaders, the same religious leaders who killed Christ. Religious leaders, R&B singers, rappers, and corporations. You remember back in the day, every rapper had to have a song that was catered to females. Now they're rah-rah songs. Their rah-rah songs could be on their albums, but the songs for the budget, it had to be songs that was catered towards the females, no matter how hard of an artist they was. And we know the R&B singers, they just told females everything they wanted to hear. And the religious leaders target the women also because they look at the women as prophets. Everybody knows the women's fans. Uh, black women are the number one consumers in all of America. So this is why the people of influence of our community created this women worship culture that she will be absolved from any type of accountability. No matter what she does, she's not accountable. And so this is where this women worship culture came from. This climate of women worship. So one of the talk show hosts um, was talking about Mama Duck and, and playing the audio of her and her son's rival that she knew was her son's rival in a full-fledged, sexually explicit conversation. And she called in to defend herself. And some of the stuff this woman said, I had never heard in my life. Um, They got to this discussion of LeBron James' mother having an alleged um, sexual relationship with his teammate. And her response was, if that's what made her happy, he should have been happy for her. And no matter what, that's still his mama. So basically what she was saying throughout the whole entire conversation, the woman can do whatever she want to do to her child because she had him. And because she gave birth to the child, she has a right to do whatever she want to do. And so it's like I was just listening to her talk and the more she began to talk, it clicked to me. 
exactly the source of the problem and issue and where these heartless, soulless individuals are coming from. So, and then I begin to understand these artists' lyrics when they said uh, her son, his last song, it was too so disrespectful uh, that I can how can I phrase the title? The last song he made was Dead Female Dogs. And basically he named every dead person that got killed that was a rival to him in a song in a disrespectful manner. But in the chorus, he said, I grew up in hell ever since 12, I was a demon. So at the end of the day, I began to understand exactly what these kids are saying. Because now that I think about it, I grew up in hell as well. Now I get it. I grew up in a domestic violence household. It was a house of horrors. All it was was fighting, screaming, yelling, drinking, drug dealing. I grew up in a house of horrors. And so what these kids are basically saying, the hell they grew up in. Listen, I want people to understand if you grow up in a poverty uh, stricken community, you can overcome that. You know, that's just materialistic items. But when you grow up in a household with deranged lunatics as your mother, because mothers are the first teacher and these women have no morals, no principles, no values, no integrity, no self-respect or no type of regard for the feelings of their children, that they can do whatever they want to do to their children. And their response is they had them. So they steal their mama. This is what begins to shape and mold these children to be heartless without any type of regard from life, regard for all human life. Because think about it. Why should they have love for people when they didn't get no type of nourish, nourishment as children growing up inside of a household like this. So for people that's not from the hood, from the ghetto, let me tell you what it's like uh, when you walk inside of somebody's home. I wasn't always a follower of Christ. I was really somebody that was from the trenches. And I actually can give an overall statement about how it works inside of ghetto America. So you knock on the door, they ask, who is it? You say X, Y, and Z. They let you in. You come inside You come inside of their home. It's going to be kids running around. It's going to be weed on the table. It's going to be liquor on the table, guns on the table. And a bunch of people talking and the music blasting while the kids are running around. This is the culture and climate that these kids are growing up in who call themselves savages and demons. Now, I want to be very clear. From my personal experience of growing up inside of housing projects, 10% of households inside of the ghettos of America is like this. We're not going to criminalize every single body, every single person that grow up inside of ghetto America. 10% of the households is like this. But that 10% affects everybody because that's the gains. So let's say it's, let's say 
uh, yo, yo, housing projects is 300 people. 10% of that is what? That's, that's 30 people, right? So let's say these 30 parents had two children apiece. That's 60 people. That's your gang right there. That's your gang of savages right there. That's the people that's going to be terrorizing that community for the next 10, 15 years. That's how it works. That's how it operates. So until we start holding these type of mothers accountable, they are going to continue to be manufacturing companies for the streets, for the prison systems, for the funeral homes, because this is all they're producing as children with no morals, no principles, no integrity, no type of regard for any type of human life. I don't care how impoverished you grow up. If somebody teach you morals, principles, values, and integrity, that's going to stay with you forever. My Nana taught me that. That's why no matter how low I was in my life, I could never do anything to an elderly person. I could never do anything to a child. I could never do anything to uh, innocent women. I couldn't even do anything to an innocent civilian. I could be dead broke. And I'm talking about before I became a follower of Christ. I could be dead broke. And if I saw a civilian at the ATM machine getting out like $3,000, I wouldn't even have a thought of robbing that person. You know why? Because my Nana installed certain values and, and integrity and morals and principles inside of me that wouldn't allow me to do that. The only way I could rationalize in my mind my criminal activities was to be able to say these people are in the same type of lifestyle that I'm in. Therefore, they understand what they're signing up for. So everything's a go because we all signed up for the same rules. That was my way of being able to rationalize and justify being inside of a criminal lifestyle. But there's no way I could hurt an innocent person. And it, I never lost my morals. That's why I found myself back to Christ, despite how low I was. But when a child grow up inside of a household where there's no type of morals, where their education is everything that's wrong is right and everything that's right is wrong. Like, I'm from an era where there's no way my nana will allow people to smoke weed around me, drink around me. I'm from an era where they didn't even have adult conversations around you. Like you ain't find out a bunch of stuff that was going on until you got older. So at the, so at this particular time, these people are saying that you can't hold this woman accountable. So if you can't hold a woman accountable who's on audio talking sexually explicit to her son's enemy knowing this man want to kill her son but this is the same son she's out here protesting for then who can we hold accountable and then when she goes live now mind you she's a grandmother she will have the children running around and she's in the living room on live rolling up blunts 
and smoking marijuana as the kids are running around creating this type of culture and climate for children to think this is okay and I'm glad that she's actually come out here to show the world exactly how the climate and culture is set so now they can understand why these children grow up the way they grow up and they feel the way they feel so until we start holding the source of this type of mentality and behavior accountable they're going to continue to manufacture these type of individuals that as soon as they come outside they're going to be gang banging the gang bangers are getting younger and younger now they gang banging at 12 13 years old like there was a couple people that would be gang banging at that age back then but now that's the that's the tip, typical age of gang members it's like 12 13 now as soon as they come outside they've been they grown up in hell on earth the hell on earth is the household that they come from they mama got all every every time you turn around she got a different boyfriend her, her boyfriend crew is over there all of them got guns all of them got drugs all of them got liquor this is the type of coaching climate these kids are growing up in and this is why they savages this is why they're demons and of course the hierarchy of the black community is not gonna like holding these women accountable because that's their bread and butter these people are their human and walking ATM machines as long as you tell T.D. Jakes Creflo Dollar and these religious leaders entire churches are filled with a bunch of women who have no accountability for their actions Tyler Perry whole fan base is a bunch of women who have no accountability for their actions these rappers fan base is a bunch of women who have no accountability for their actions as long as you tell these women they have no accountability for what they do, they will economically support you. If you want to go inside of our community and see churches that's small, you want to know why those churches are small? Because those churches hold people accountable for their actions. And when you hold people accountable for their actions, they begin to say, oh, that ain't of God. Are you judging me? Uh, this and that. Everybody loves the churches where there's no accountability. Because these religious leaders are prostitutes. They are running a business. It's their job to justify your wickedness. They're not about healing the sick. They're about exploiting the sick. And, and we have to do something about this quote-unquote drill culture. We have to one hold the record companies accountable. And this is why with my platform, um, this is my own individual podcast, but I also uh, my partner and I, who's more than a partner, we have our Wheat and Tears podcast. And basically what our podcasting is going to be about, it's about holding people accountable, but also contributing to what we're doing. And the thing that I'm doing individually 
is raising money to actually hold these record labels accountable for the crimes against humanity and their psychological warfare they have waged on us with these poisonous lyrics and poisonous cultures. Whether it's drug uses, whether it's drilling, whether it's cripping and blooding, whatever they find the most negative things of our community and then that's what they invest in. Because these very same people got money invested inside the private prison industry. So their whole entire business is a conflict of interest. And these same black organizations are in the same political and economical bed as the private prison investors who just so happen to be the record labels who push nothing but guns, drugs, violence, and sex on our community, especially our young. All this is a conflict of interest. I don't want people joining this movement that's going to agree with me. I want people to join this movement that is going to be contributors of the movement in some shape, form, or fashion. And if you're not willing to, like, when you read the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures talks about seasons. There are spiritual seasons as well. There was a season to expose the prosperity passage as being wolves in sheep's clothing. Then there was a season to actually break down how the modern day uh, traditional churches is nothing but pagan institutes that worships ancient Greek gods. Now we are in the spiritual season of preparing for the storm that's coming. And you have to be in the spirit of um, contributing so if you're not in the spirit of contributing, then this is not for you because I want to do more than use my voice against these people. I want to actually challenge these people and have their books open up to show the world a conflict of interest that they've been pushing nothing but death on our community. It's like the Ku Klux Klan is running black entertainment culture. Every negative imagery of our people, they are willing to push on our young. So it's, it's, it's accountability season. Everybody is being held accountable for their actions. And no longer can these women hide behind that they are mothers so you can't criticize them for nothing they do. I haven't even mentioned the 20 plus million abortion clinic. Um, 20 plus million babies that have been murdered inside of these abortion clinics by Planned Parenthood. Like, we're just targets, man. And these women, these type of women have been instruments for the Ku Klux Klan. And it's time for everybody to be held accountable. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, man, continue to support the podcast, continue to support the movement. And I will be dropping a podcast every single day. It's no days off. And we're going to talk about getting to the source of the problem. We're going to talk about the parliament issue, but trust and believe we're going to get to the source of the parliament issue and the source and the parliament issues inside of the ghettos of America is these unfit, narcissistic, self-centered, self-evolved 
women. Let me make this clear. 10% of the population is like that inside of ghetto America. But that 10% affects everybody inside of ghetto America. I seen a video that was disturbing. These guys came to kill this guy. And it was a man that was actually sweeping because they was outside of a store. These guys killed this innocent man who had nothing to do with no street beef just because he was there before killing their target. And it's like no type of regard for life whatsoever. None. It's like they are animals, like they're demons. And they call themselves demons. And they say that they're on demon time. I remember one artist said, he was like, we Ku Klerk six, we kill niggas. That's exactly what he said. So at the end of the day, it's accountability season, man. And with that being said, shalom, 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 and shalom.